Hello and welcome back to the Calvary Tabernacle Young Adults Podcast. We're so glad you're listening and we hope you continue to do so, like always. This episode is a lesson from Young Adults Elder Statesman, Brother Bobby Kilman. Please enjoy. Treat to be uh, uh, traveling. It was it was a privilege, Brother Brzezinski, and thank you for those kind words. I gotta forgive you for lying, and uh, I, I appreciate uh, the commodity that we have and the leadership that God's given us in this group, uh, starting with the Barcuses and then on to the Lopez's, and and now uh, you know the team that's here. It's uh, tremendous to see Brother Brzezinski how the Lord has just had like this generational transition thing happening and turn to your neighbor, poke him in the shoulder and say, be careful. You never know what's happening next and where you're going to be called and what opportunities God's going to drop into your lap and trust you with. Amen, amen, amen. Well, I'm going to go to the word of the Lord uh, very quickly. Uh, it was a treat. We've been a few places, Brother Brzezinski, and uh, I, I, will, I will say this. I wish I could take uh, you as a group all over, and let you travel and see uh, the body of Christ. Um, it is rich, and it's thick, and it's beautiful. Uh, it's, it's very, very uh, different. There's, uh, man, I wish I could take you to Sacramento, to the uh, church there in Del Paso Heights. You could meet the Royers, tremendous sacrificing people, and a church that's on fire to reach their city. They they are they are they are not like us. They're they're mostly maybe just a handful out of the sixty or so people are our first generation. They are brand new and it's raw and it's uh, it's beautiful and it's lovely. And and you travel all over the place. I wish I could. I I, I was just here to talk about all that today. But I'll just say it is good to be home, man. And we love uh, this group. So I'm going to go very quickly. I'm you you open your Bible to Joshua chapter seven. I want to kind of set the stage, and if you'll just let me, I'm going to talk a little bit tonight. I don't know if I'm going to be preaching over to you. I hope you're resting. Amen, amen. He's going to help me this year, and Brother Culp as well, partners in crime or suffering in solidarity. I don't know what that means. Both of them sitting together, and uh, we're we're delighted to uh, see IBC kicking off another semester, and I know you guys are uh, heading off to Purdue. My word, yes. Uh, it, where, what are you studying at Purdue? Come on, horticulture. There, there are incredible engineers uh, out there, and, and horticulture, that's a, a, a big piece of what they do as well. How, how many of you have already are in the middle of college right now? Raise your hand. You're in the middle of college? Raise them high, chickens. All you introverts. Raise them high. Zane, get your hand up high. high. Higher than that. Is it broken, Rev? Just like, yes, Lord. Okay. All right, Brother Axel's like, you know, he just had a piece of that's what he's looking for, a little piece from the last little bit of IBC. I'm sorry, I'm feeling really at home. This is dangerous. So Joshua chapter 6, let me set the stage a little bit. Uh, Joshua chapter 6 is about the conquest of Jericho. Joshua is uh, the appointed leader. Moses has transitioned off the scene. This is uh, kind of the climax of, of the first battle uh, that they've had where God grants them this incredible victory. And we don't have time to deal with it uh, all tonight. Let me just say this. 
when you read the historical books, I want to remind you, I know we've said it, uh, Brother Norman, in this group before, that, that this is actually the group uh, of books, what Jesus calls prophets. And I know you're thinking like, this isn't Jeremiah and Isaiah and all those. It's not. But it is the former prophets. And so you need to ask when you read these books, Joshua, Judges, First Kings, Chronicles, Samuel, Ruth, all of those, you should be asking of those texts, what does this preach to me? When you're reading it, you need to ask, okay, God, this is your particular interaction with Israel because you're going to preach some stuff to my life. The apostle says in the New Testament that these are in samples, or given, Brother Herb says, in samples or examples. Uh, to, you ready for our admonition upon whom the ends of the earth has come? And so that means that they didn't need to hear their own story again and get reminded like, ooh, didn't do so good there. Yay, did good there. They didn't need that. Turn to your neighbor and say, you needed it. No, y'all don't even sound like you're engaged tonight. All right, just relax, just relax. Turn to your neighbor and say, you need it. Okay, good. Now, I'm sorry, David. You're sitting right next to your wife. I apologize. I get you in trouble doing that. What that means is, is these preach to us, Vince, that God has a particular way of interacting with his people, and in the context of that, he reveals stuff about human nature. He, he, oh, I'm trying not, see, I'm studying and I'm in the midst. Y'all caught me right in the middle of my study and my ramp up ride, you see. I apologize. But, but, but brother uh, Norman, that means at the end of the day, you have to understand that God is revealing particular things. And when I read these books, I have to say, okay, God, you are trying to show me things so that I can walk in victory. Uh, Joshua is the greatest military leader, arguably, in, in the history of Israel. All due respect to David, he was a man of war, he brought peace, and that was right. But Joshua, the northern and southern campaign of the conquest of the Canaan land, is the biggest military feat in Israel's history, and that shows you a lot of things about the dynamics of war. You ready? In the Christian life. And that means when you walk on to Purdue University, God gives you already in his revelation keys to having victory in every situation of life that he sets you in. So you should say, okay, God, I have this text in front of me. What do you want me to know? How many of you are tracking? So uh, Joshua chapter 6, uh, he, he says, uh, I'll just do this very quickly. Mm, help me, Jesus. Now Jericho was straightly shut up. Uh, the children of Israel, none went out, none went in. And the Lord said unto Joshua, See, I have given into thine hand Jericho. Now, I don't know about you, but if you're standing there at the city and, and there's two sets of walls staring you in the face, you're like, I don't see it, God. I, I know, you guys are all so spiritual that every time the Lord says, I'm going to give you victory in this, you don't go, ha, 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 ha. And every once in a while, I'm like, okay, God, I, I understand. I feel the assurity of the Spirit, and I know that you're, you're, if you can get me to see like you see, everything's going to be okay. But I'm struggling right now in my flesh because all I see is walls. And if I don't get that vision change, I'm not going to do much for God. I'm not going to have much victory in my life until I learn to see situations the way God sees them, and that means faith. That means seeing through the eyes of faith. Okay, so that's the challenge that Joshua says. And God, God gives them the weirdest battle plan ever. Now, I, Brother Culp, you, you are uh, kind of overseeing the MSA department, and, 
and there's a lot of things we want to get done. Uh, we don't do weird stuff, though. Try not to on most days. And, and what that means is God gives Joshua the weirdest battle plan ever. Okay, you, you don't, we're not going to say, where are the siege engines? I, I know that you've been slaves in Egypt, and you don't even know how to do this kind of warfare. I'm going to put you in a position where you don't know how to have victory, and then I'm going to give you what's going to seem like, in your flesh, the most idiotic battle plan there is, which is march around the city, get some guys blowing in trumpets, you ready? And put an, uh, some guards in front of them and guards in behind them. And you ready? March around the city. Now, if you understand how big Jericho was, it was about, took about uh, 30 minutes to walk around Jericho. It sit on about eight or nine acres. That's about a 30-minute walk with everybody sitting on the walls, like in Veggie Tales, making fun of you, maybe. Well, actually, we know that they were trembling in fear. Now, why is it that they never, these, these men that have already, remember, they fought battles under Moses, right? They've already got Og and Bashan. They've already, they've already been in battle. They're, they're seasoned a little bit. Okay, so they know what warfare should look like. Why did they not even bat an eye? Because, you ready? God had already demonstrate, demonstrated that his leader was Joshua because he stopped the Jordan River. And God said to Joshua, this day will I begin to magnify you in the eyes of the people. Why? Because you need influence to get this job done, Joshua. And I'm going to make sure everybody knows that you're my man to get it done. I'm going to help you. Ready? If you don't learn to walk by faith now, they won't follow you then. And if you don't learn to get the vision of God now in your life and get the victories that you need to have now, you will not have people following you later. But can I just tell you that the test that you're in right now is about your tomorrow? Okay, so you just need, now I'm going to help you with two things tonight. I'm trying to not say everything, Brother Brzezinski. But you ready? That What that means is that you just, Brother Cage, you just need two things to have victory with God. Number one thing that you need is obedience. That's it. And the second thing God needs from you is your time. That's it. If, you can, if God can get you to obey over time, I promise you, every victory is going to be okay. But it's when we, we get nervous and anxious and we don't operate in faith and when we operate in fear instead of obeying the Lord, instead of, okay, obedience is better than Yes, yeah, so I'm glad you sang songs tonight, but what God is after is your obedience. And that's what he's saying to Joshua. You've obeyed, you took this step of faith, and, and, and then the next, the, the next one the day they come back, and here God switches the battle plan for them. He says, uh, I want you to walk around on the seventh day seven times, instead of once. And at the end of that, I want you to shout, for the Lord has given you the city. Now, I wish we had time to deal with that. There's beautiful archaeology for all those of you who are into that. Youngest member of the for, but those of you who are, who are interested in that, there's some really fun archaeology on that. I just got to quit. Okay? And what that means is, uh, God says, and it came to pass on the seventh time when the priests blew the trumpets, Joshua said unto the people, shout, for the Lord has given you the city, and the city shall be accursed, even it and all that is therein, uh, uh, to the Lord. It's accursed to the Lord. That means dedicated uh, everything's going to be burned. All the precious metals, all of those things are going to be carried into the temple and they're going to be dedicated to God. And Joshua said unto the people, shout for the Lord has given you the city. And you know the story. They walk around and, and Jericho 
what's kind of, it's interesting, right? Jericho is kind of a first fruits of the land of victory. So what, what God is saying to them uh, is, uh, at the end of the day, I, I'm going to take you in, and I'm going to give you houses you didn't build. I'm going to give you vineyards you didn't plant. I'm going to bless you financially. I'm going to bless you with all the things that you need, but this first thing is mine. Okay, and so, Sister Wing, what that means, I mean, Sister Jane Claire, what that means is, you ready? That, that city represented the first fruits of the victory. Now, remember what first fruits are? It's the thing that belongs to who? God. We call that like first fruits of uh, the harvest. We call that the first 10% of our income. We call that tithe. Why? Because tithe is a, a way for us to acknowledge lordship. Okay? That means, uh, let's talk about tithes. Tithes means, God, I'm bringing in the first 10%, Vince, of my income. Why? Because I'm going to acknowledge that everything I have is because of you. And when I give this tenth, it's a testimony that you're my Lord. You ready? And if I get that wrong, I can't have the victory that God wants for me. Why? Because I'm robbing God of lordship. He doesn't need your money. He needs your acknowledgement of lordship and your obedience. And when you obey, you ready? Then he says, as a steward, take the 90 and go spend it in a way that glorifies me. And I promise you, if you get that right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to meet every need. And that's the victory. That, that, that's the same type of thing that's going on here. You can have the harvest, the herds, and even the spoils of war. But this first city is going to acknowledge lordship. The Bible says they shout. It falls down. I wish we had time uh, to deal with all that. They, they uh, deal with Rahab, and uh, they, they save her. And, and the Bible goes on to say that uh, in, in verse 26 and 27, and Joshua adjured them at that time. Cursed be the man before the Lord that riseth up and buildeth this city of Jericho. And we know, like later on in Kings under Ahab, they're so wicked, they think they can ignore the word of God. And, and they rebuild this city, and Joshua says, He shall lay the foundation thereof in his firstborn, and his youngest son shall he set up the gates of. And that prophecy is fulfilled, by the way, in the book of 1 Kings chapter 16. You can look that up. And it says, according to the word of Joshua, the son of Nun. Right, so uh, God is watching over his word. And so the Lord was with Joshua, and his fame was noised throughout all the country. Now, uh, that's a powerful little moment for Israel, right? Now, here's the sad thing. I'm getting to my notes. If the story ended there, everything would be okay. If the story stopped right there, they could go right into conquest after conquest after conquest. But Joshua chapter one, 7, verse 1 says, but the children of Israel. Now, uh, I know David has a perfect marriage. You guys would never argue at all. Uh, but like at my house, if I'm trying to say, honey, I understand that this and this and this, and, and you're right about this and this and this, but it really does mean that none of the first things I said matter at all. So this terrible little word in the text, but, now I don't know about you, but I wish every lesson I've learned was always through victory. I wish I could say tonight, I never had to go to the school of hard knocks. I think I have a PhD. Why? Because a lot of the lessons that I've had to learn is because I haven't handled things well. 
And see, what God is saying, is, you, you ready? Something like this. We have the power. I don't have time to make the case tonight. You walk through the epistles and look at what Paul says, especially. Uh, well, uh, I'll try to come see me. We'll talk. We have the power to never fail. More than that, we have the direction to never fail. But the problem for me is, you ready? I don't always succeed. Okay, why? I'll tell you why. How do we learn from failure? Well, this is, this is why these types of texts are in the Bible. Because you can learn from others' pain. You don't have to participate in every little thing. You're ready to go, I think that's pretty dumb. You ready? I don't think I want to be here. You don't have to say, God, I don't ever want to be here again. I have said that and confessed that. And God help me, I'm living in ways, you ready, that are smarter because I don't want to be forever in kindergarten. So what that means is, it means you can avoid some failures. Why? Because there are great, bad examples. And Joshua chapter 7 is a great, bad example. You ready? What was the cause of the defeat of the children of Israel as they go up against Ai? You ready? The, the, the fortified city, the fortress falls, but they can't even deal with a little fort town. And at the end of the day, the Bible tells us that the, the issue, the cause of the defeat was trespass. Now, what does trespass mean? I wish we had time to look at the Hebrew. I'll just cheat tonight and cut a little to the chase. But there, there, the, how many of you know the Bible says sin? All have sin. How many of you have sinned? If you ain't got your hand up, you're sinning right now. By the way. All have sinned and come short uh, of the uh, glory, the, uh, the calling uh, uh, in Christ Jesus. The standard is the perfect man, Jesus. You ready? And all have sinned. But that's not trespass. Trespass is something different. Trespass is willful. Trespass is deliberate sin. A trespass is somebody who chooses to disobey. Ready? And God puts this example in the scripture so that his church will know how to deal with deliberate disobedience in your life. Now, you ready? And in the church. Okay, so that's where we're headed. Okay, so uh, what's the big deal? He takes the things, well, we know those are the dedicated things to God. I imagine this. It's like stealing ties out of the ties downstairs. It's like saying to God, I don't care about your lordship. I'm going to steal from you and rob you of the glory that you want in my obedience. Okay, that's, that's Achan's problem. And so they go up and, and, and they, they said, only two or 3,000 men are needed. Uh, you look at it in verses 2 and 3. He says, make not all the people lay, uh, labor uh, thither, uh, for they are but a few. So they went up and they spied out the land. It's about 10 miles northwest of Jericho where they're at. And he says, uh, and they make some, now, now, now remember, don't just put yourself as Achan in the text. Now, I'm going to be candid. If you got sin that's hidden in your life, willful sin, get it out. I make no apologies for saying that. I'm going to say that a few times tonight. Brace yourself. But more than that, there are fundamental mistakes going on with the people of God with an Achan in their camps. You ready? Now, what are, what are the mistakes that they make? Number one, you ready? These are instructive to us. Turn to your neighbor say, it's for you. 
See, I wasn't just making fun at the beginning. I was setting you up for acknowledgement. So you ready? They're, they're instructive to us because there's sin in the camp. Now, when there's sin in the camp, they have this little problem called overconfidence. And it's called a sin. Why? Because they think they can do it now. This battle is small. This battle is little. We don't even need to consult God on this. Don't worry about it, God. I got this one. That's the sin of overconfidence. And the sin of overconfidence is always paired with its twin called prayerlessness. Why? Because it goes hand in hand with the other sin. I don't need to pray about this decision. They look like a good person. I can just date them. I know, I don't went to meddling. Now, now, you ready? Whenever any decision crops up in life, the degree to which you pray about it shows how much you truly believe that we, without him we can do. Now, I want you to do more than say that. I want you to believe that in every decision in your life. Why? Because there's great bad examples. And you don't have to get down the road in a two-year decision and realize, wish I'd have prayed about that one. Because two, now I don't have time to illustrate it tonight, but how many of you know people have made decisions, they got in relationships, they got involved in things, they didn't pray about something, and all of a sudden they're two years down the road looking back going, wish I'd have prayed about that one. Okay, now that's a great bad example, but don't you go there. You say, Lord, if you got a problem with what I'm doing, God, I'm not even going to wait for you to speak to me. I'm going to go talk to you before I make a decision. Okay, good. All right, so here's their problem. Brother Brzezinski, they've had some victories. Now they're the little expert. They're going to create a little uh, idol, and they're going to they're analyze things themselves. One victory, and now I don't even need to check with the Lord anymore. See, there are temptations when you're uh, in the throes of pressure, and there are temptations when you're in the throes of success. And now people know me, and I can travel, and I can do things, and, and you don't think that adds pressure to my life? You don't think that the successes? You ready? And Okay. You ready? It's easy to understand spiritual warfare when you're in the midst of a fiery trial and you can see the frontal attack of the enemy. But you ready? When it's, uh, when it's more subtle, when he comes at you another way, there's another set of temptations that you have to guard against. And one of those is only found, uh, these types of things found in success. Okay? All right, so, uh, yes. Uh, so we need to stay in humility because they're, they're uh, in victory, other temptations come. If they had sought the Lord, he would have told them, and 36 people wouldn't have died. Okay. All right, so let's look, let's look at the text real quick. I'm, I'm going to hurry. Hallelujah, we're doing good. So there went up thither about 3,000 men. They fled. They're, they're 36 men die. And get the picture. You ready? They're in enemy territory now. The Jordan River's been stopped. They're across the river. They're in the middle of enemy territory, and they have no confidence for victory. Now, that is a terrible, terrible position to be. Why? Because they're surrounded by armies. Okay? All right? And so Joshua ran his clothes and fell. Uh, uh, verse 6, uh, it says he fell on the earth upon his face before the ark of the Lord until eventide. Let him pray all night. He and the elders of Israel and put dust on their heads before the morning. And Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God, wherefore hast thou at all brought this people over Jordan to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites? Must be your fault, God. 
Now, here's where I want you to put a little pause on and start analyzing your own prayers and see if they sound like that. You actually have to shake your head and say, okay, if I don't have victory in a certain area of my life, it may not be God's fault. God, why haven't you done this yet? It could be my issue. See? I know you don't see yourself there. I see myself there. See? I see my prayers there. Uh, well, you've delivered us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. Would to God we had been content and dwelt on the other side of Jordan. Oh, Lord, what shall I say uh, when Israel turned their backs before the enemies for the Canaanites? All the inhabitants of the land shall hear of it and shall uh, in, environ around us around. They're going to encompass us. They're going to surround us like the environment, the air we breathe, and cut off our name from the earth. And what will I do unto thy great name? You ready? Because not only, you ready, God, my reputation is attached to you. Now, this is interesting because it's different than kind of the unbelieving kind of complaining in uh, in the book of Numbers where they angered the Lord. He's at least, Brother Cade, complaining to God, not about God. He's taking like the lament psalms, he's taking his complaint to the Lord, not other people. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's for you. Okay, do you talk about your problems more than you pray about your problems? Okay, one is a step of faith. The other one is a weakness. Okay, well, I'll, I'll, I'll resist your go down that road too much. So he blames God, and then he informs God, you know, that, that our reputations are tied together. Thank you, Josh, I didn't know that, you know. And, and then, and the Lord said unto Joshua, verse 10, get thee up. Wherefore liest thou upon thy face? I love that. Because some prayer is blaming and pity parties. And at the end of the day, God's going to say, Joshua, get up and deal with the sin issue. Okay, you ready? There's some stuff that needs to go. Quit praying and crying about it and clean house a little bit. Is that plain enough? I told you I was coming back. Turn to your neighbor saying, that ain't fair. Israel has sinned and and also transgressed my covenant, which I've commanded them. For they've even taken the accursed thing and have also stolen and dissembled also. They've they've been deceitful about it, and they have put it even among their own stuff. Therefore, the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies because you cannot, the victory that you have over the enemy is not because you're strong or you know stuff. It's because God is with you and his power sustains you. And you ready? When you give that up, you've given up victory. Okay, now I'm going to be a little pointed here. That's why when we have to deal with sin from this pulpit or that one down there, you have to always side with Joshua. Don't ever get that twisted because if we can't deal with sin, this church will not have victory. And I know, you, now I'm going to be a little pointed. Let me get a little preach on. I know you can find other churches in this town that are courting Calvary members right now saying, if you come over here, you don't have to do all that stuff. That's right. You can't have victory. And you look at that 10 years later, and, and you're ready when they wouldn't. Oh, help me, Jesus. You get the point. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's for Brother Kiltman, too. Therefore, the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turned their backs before their enemies because they were accursed. If you got the accursed thing, you're going to be accursed. 
Neither will I be with you anymore except, now if you don't underline in your Bible, at least underline in your mind, except ye, that's plural, Brother, brother uh, Zachah, it's, the King James is beautiful because it shows you that it's plural. Except all of you, Mama would say it this way from Tennessee, except y'all, that means all of y'all, except you all destroy the cur- accursed thing from among you. Turn to your neighbor and say, mm, that's for all of us. Because you ready? It's ache and sin, but it's affecting the whole community's victory. It's Achan's willful trespass, but you ready? They're not being prayerful about, you ready, who's working with them on the team. And at the end of the day, if you don't have that type of victory, you will not be blessed by God. I told you I was going to be strong tonight. Why? Because there is no sacrifice for willful sin. If you want back it, now I know I made some of you nervous. But how many of you know that if, if, if how many of you have ever made a mistake since you've been saved? Glad my wife's not here. I got a loud amen with my hand up on that one. But Sister Wolf, what that means is if I went back into alignment, God is more than willing to let me back into alignment because his character is constant. He is always loving. He is always merciful. And anytime I want back into doing the right thing, that's what he's about. But if I want him to bless me in my sin that I have no intention to try to struggle with and repent of, he is not in that business. See, that's the issue with Achan. He said, unless you deal with this accursed thing from among you, I, I will not be with you anymore. I don't know about you, but I want the Lord with me in life. And so he says, up, sanctify the people. Uh, I'm against tomorrow, for thus saith the Lord God of Israel. There's an accursed thing that's in the midst of Israel. Thou canst stand before thine enemies until ye take away the accursed thing from among you. And their destiny and in the Old Testament and the New Testament groups, uh, you have to deal with deliberate disobedience. That means church discipline is real. Don't your neighbor say deliberate. That means, and again, I, have to tell, I don't want to get anybody just slipping into condemnation on me. Don't do this, okay? I'm not, talking about being, I'm not talking about struggling and trying to do what's right. I'm not talking about saying, God, you got to help me over these things. I'm not talking about that. I understand that not every enemy was subdued in Canaan land overnight. I understand that, that you're being conformed to the image of Christ. But I do understand that there are some people that are flagrant and willful, and you got to get them out of your life. you got to get them out of your peer group. you got to listen, you cannot be friends with that type of thing. Come on, being strong tonight. And so, uh, there you go. Trying to be a jockey. In the morning... Therefore, you shall be brought. He brings him. Uh, let me see if I can cut to the chase. Oh, help me, Jesus. And, and it shall be he that is taken, uh, verse 15, uh, with the accursed thing shall be burnt with fire, he and all that he hath. Now, now, underline in your mind again, because, Brother Ross. Now, here's the problem. The NIV wrongly drops the causal participle there. And, and you've had Greek, right? The causal participle shows what the cause is. That's why because has to be in the text. Because he hath transgressed the covenant of the Lord and because he hath wrought folly in Israel. Okay, some people wreck the youth group. And after a while, I'm not talking about overnight, but I'm talking about willful, flagrant, in-your-face disobedience. The best thing a youth pastor can do is at some point say, we love you, when you want to be saved, come back, but you're not welcome until you 
You ready? You ready to repent? Did you know that's what Paul did in Corinthians? He said, you know, now I'm going to get a little pointed because we've said it before. Just brace yourself, though, because it's probably the most shocking example in the New Testament. He said, you know, the guy that's sleeping with his mother-in-law? He says, I'm going to go ahead and judge that as if I was already standing in Corinth. And you ready? If you don't judge it, I am going to bring some judgment when I get there. And I know they're saying I'm weak, I'm, I'm weak in words, but I'm strong in epistle. He says, you want to test my strength? I'm telling you, I'm coming, and you determine how I come. You ready? It can be in, it can be in blessing and, and love because you've repented, or it can be in correction like a good father. And you've got 10,000 instructors in Christ, but you ready? You only got one father. I'm the one that started that church in Corinth, he says, and I get to deal with some stuff. If anybody's got a right to say something, it's me because I have influence. Why? Because you owe your existence to my ministry. That's when Paul Mooney stands in that platform and begins to call out sin and say, we got to deal with some stuff because there's willful, flagrant disobedience. you got to say, I'm going to be on the right side of blessing. Why? Because I, God is absolute, Sister Wolf, and I don't want to be on this other side because he's faithful. He's faithful in blessing, and he's faithful in cursing. And you decide which side of the equation you're on. We do that as a group. So uh, what's the problem? Now, again, I know you guys believe this, and I'm preaching mostly to the choir tonight. But here's our problem in our culture today. This is where, see, I want to be strong like that. Why? Because I'm pressing against every dumb little thing that's said in the culture about Jesus. As if he's some weak pansy smelling of perfume. And Help me, Jesus. That's probably a bad attitude. See, here's our problem. In our culture, we don't think breaking covenant is a big deal. That's the issue in our culture today. And we can't understand, and when I say we, I know it's not you. I mean, it's the culture at large because I believe you're here on Wednesday. You love God. We can't today in our culture understand God's wrath because sin doesn't bother us too much. So, for instance, we're mystified. Like when you look at Exodus chapter 32 and, and 3,000 people die after the golden calf incident. Or are you ready? The Midianites commit whoredoms and they send, uh, they bring Midianitish women into the, and a guy, uh, Vince, comes to the prayer meeting at the temple where they're trying to get people away from it. And he's so flagrant that he brings a Midianitish, uh, a boy brings, he's kind of a, uh, a mixed, you ready? He's not really an Israelite and he's, not really, he's kind of mixed, and, and so he brings his issue and flagrantly starts sleeping with the woman in front of where they're trying to have a prayer meeting. And another guy, you know what he does? I, I hope this spirit gets a hold of some of you in terms of your zeal to see the work of God done. He picks up a javelin and stabs them both to the ground. Gentlemen, why do I do this? It's very simple. When they're playing dumb stuff at the gathering, you say, I just don't watch movies like that, and you get up and leave. When, when they're telling those types of jokes, you look at them and say, listen, you know, you don't, don't, try, you don't have to be, like, obnoxious, but you just say, you know what, I'm not going to laugh at that. And you choose not to laugh, not even politely. And I know most of the time you're just nervous. How do I even respond? Don't laugh. It eases them in their sin. The best thing you can do is let them know that's horrible and that's wrong, and I love you enough not to let you go to hell easy. Why? Because we're going to have victory here, and if you want to have victory, 
Because look, when Paul says, deal with the guy that, you know what they did? They dealt with it, Brother Colt. They dealt with the guy that was sleeping with his mother-in-law. And when he gets to 2 Corinthians, he said, I wrote that epistle in tears. No leader likes to deal with these kind of issues. He said, I wrote that epistle in tears. And, and you ready? The guy's reconciled to the body of Christ. Why? Because they've called him to repentance instead of condoning sin. And that's what God wants the church to be. I know I'm being strong tonight. We don't even understand Jesus. Like Matthew chapter 5, uh, you look at it on your own time. If you're right hand, I have in thee, pluck it out. Cast it from thee. Is it profitable that you, one of your members should perish and not the whole body should be cast into hell? That's, how many of you, that's your life verse? Because we do dumb things. Like have, oh no, no, don't take this too serious. Like have life verses. And we candy pick all the little things that we like to think about God that sometimes corrupts us and makes us think of an idolatrous notion of God. It's like uh, talking to my wonderful friend at CTS, Julie. All due respect, she's a wonderful lady. But she said, I just don't ever see Jesus acting that way. I said, then you, don't, you need to go back into the text and see him go into the temple and say, my house should be a house of prayer. And he threw things over and ran people out of church. Why? Because some people are not interested in having church. They're interested in exploiting other people into sin. You get the point. Turn to your neighbor and say, let's go home. See, here's the testimony. One man probably said it best. He says, the testimony of Joshua chapter 7 is this. We cannot treat cancer. Sister Jane Claire, you're a nurse. We cannot treat cancer with vitamin pills. It requires radical surgery. Must be exiled. Joshua gets up early in the morning. He casts lots. There's three million people. He brought the family of Judah. Hmm, narrows it down. Get the tribe. Then he took the fa family of the Zarhites. Oh, it's getting closer. And he brought in the family of the Zarhites man by man, and Zabdi was taken. They brought Zabdi's household, man by man, and Achan, the son of Karma, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, was taken. It's like God knew his address. See, that's what it means. God knows, and he's had plenty of time to confess. I'm going to give you a great theological insight. You ready? It's brilliant. You're not going to get this kind of theology everywhere. God allows U-turns. Take a great tattoo. No, it wouldn't. I repent. He's got plenty of time, right, to confess. But what does he do? He doesn't confess. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13 says, Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. He knows everything. And the reason he zeroes in that pressure is he's given Achan plenty of time to repent. And I don't know about you, but I never want to stand before a God who knows me that well without the blood of Jesus being applied to my life. Joshua said unto Achan, verse 19, my son, listen, now listen to the heart of Achan. My son, give, I pray thee, glory to God, God of Israel, make confession unto him and tell me now what thou hast done. And That's not fun for Joshua at all. It's not fun for leadership to have to get to that point. They can answer Joshua, yep. It's all the spoils of Babylonian garments. 200 shekels of silver, a wedge of 
A wedge of gold that's about 50 shekels weight, and I just couldn't resist the money. Now, the crazy thing is, if he could have waited two weeks, he would have got the spoils of the royal family. Senseless, straightforward Waits until he's exposed. Now, if you get this in the text, you ready? This is the progression of sin in the text, and it's the progression of sin most of the time in our lives. I saw, I coveted, I took, I Now, why, why reveal this, Brother Cade? Why does God go through the, uh, why does God go through the process of exposing? Because, because, in these unwelcome disclosure moments where God turns the light and shines on us, the clear desire of God is shown. That's why he sends Nathan to David. Why? Because he wants to save him. He refuses to allow us to stay comfortable in sin. Now, I'm going to wrap up tonight. Joshua sent messengers. They ran to the tent because, again, He's sorry he got caught. He had plenty of time to repent, but he didn't. The Bible says, and they raised up over him a great heap of stones unto this day. Now, we talk about the 12 stones on that side of Jordan, right? And everybody wants to talk about when your kids see these stones, what do they mean? God brought us over. But you better visit all the stones. Those stones of remembrance are not just that you're ready. It's a great bad example. And he lost his family, everybody. Why? Because, Brother Zane, did you ever wonder, it's like, why did his kids get caught up in that? The, 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 if you look at the text uh, closely, it's not children, little children. It's like your age, right? It's like, it's like grown children. Because Deuteronomy says that a, a child, a little child, can't be held uh, responsible for their parents' sin if it's a capital crime. You ready? So they knew, and they just were quiet and went along. What are you going along with? Okay, now I'm I'm being I'm being pointed here. Why? I, I'm gonna I'm gonna quote something. I wish I could give credit, Brother Vince, to who I heard say it first. The ruthlessness of sin requires ruthlessness with sin. Once that thing starts, Brother Brzezinski, the lesson is you cannot make any progress where there is tolerance of willful and deliberate sin. You can't. Individuals will not. Families will not. You're teaching sociology. Governments will not. You ready? Churches will not. Collectively. I know as 20, 20th century American individuals, we, we don't like this kind of text, and we can complain, but we do better to fear. I mean that in the, in the best sense, in the biblical sense. And, and fear, why? Because one man's sin turned God's presence away from a whole Fear because a man's whole household was drawn into his punishment. You ready? And, and, and it's because we have an unbiblical tame view of sin. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 5, verse uh, 5, the best thing you can do about this guy, he says, is to deliver such a one up unto, uh, unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the spirit might be saved in the day of the Lord. Quit praying for blessings on him. That guy's got to learn the hard way. And the best thing that can happen is the devil have a field day so that he can realize sin is not blessing him and his children. Acts 5.10, I know, it's New Testament, right? We're under the grace period. 
Ananias and Sapphira lies, and then she fell down straightway at his feet and yielded up the ghost, and the young man came in, found her dead, and carried her forth and buried her by her husband. God of the, God of the Old Testament is a God. He's the same yesterday. If he wasn't, you could not trust him for blessing. But if you trust, how many of you trust the Lord for blessing? Then you have to trust him in judgment too. That's what I'm kind of teaching tonight. So the choice to willfully sin. I'm, I'm, I'm wrapping up tonight. Here's what happens when people do that in a church somewhere. And again, I'm not talking. I have to do this because I don't want anyone to slip into condemnation because that's a tactic of the enemy. So if you're feeling a little bit of condemnation right now, know that that's your heart and the enemy will try to capitalize on it. Don't let him do that. But when someone has willfully sinned, you ready? I, I can... I don't care about the church's reputation. I don't care. I can just go live any way I want to. You ready? I can leave and come back and stay in sin. You ready? Or I can, I can, you know, sin, and then I'm just looking for fellowship. You ready? Or I can just never leave and just start to sin, and the church start tolerating sin. And then what does it look like? That the pulpit up here or the pulpit down there is just some type of preaching machine and we're going through mechanics and high-fiving each other and we don't really try to live this. And the reputation of the church is defamed. You ready? And, and, the, and the reputation of God is defamed. Why? Because of willful sin. That's why God will never let it get sideways. He says, if sin is tolerated... In your life, willful sin. Everybody say willful. That's why God's going to bless me and I can do this no matter what. You ready? In, in your personal life, if sin is tolerated, God stops bringing victory. If in a family, sin starts to be tolerated in the home, comes the willful, I don't care what the pastor preaches, you know, we got them fanatics over there. We're just going to, you know, we're going we're gonna to do a little thing different, but we're going to go to church and praise Jesus. There will be no victory in the home. And if it's tolerated in a church, can I get a little bit more closer to home? In a young adult group, God says, I will not let you get this twisted because I love you too much to let you get into eternity and be shocked that you're lost. He says, why? Because once that sin starts being tolerated here, Paul says it's like, it's like a little leaven, leavens the whole lump, and then all of a sudden, that fornication that was tolerated in praise is now spilling throughout the whole church, and all of Corinth knows the sin that's going on. That cannot be our young adult group. And it starts, you ready, with this. This is what I'm saying tonight. A biblical view of sin. And so what I, I come to do is to be one more preacher tonight to remind you that sin is a serious issue and church discipline is a serious issue and it has to be because this is the only place where people can be saved. Stay with me tonight. How many of you got what I'm saying? Tried to put some levity in there so it's not too strong because I know I'm preaching to the choir. How many of you have ever been corrected in church? When Paul Mooney had me in the office and had me by the back of the neck, and he was shaking his finger underneath my nose. When I was in Bible college, he was saving me, Kate. He was saving my reputation. He was saving my ministry. And you ready? He was saving IBC's reputation. And the 
gift of that is that it can help us maintain and preserve the victory that God has for every aspect of my life. So this is what I want you to do. I want you to bow your heads tonight. I'm going to do two things. If you're toying around, I'm going to go there, not, not condemnation. Conviction says make this right. Get it out. Step back up. Don't let the devil, quit letting the devil kick you in the teeth. Stand up and fight again. If you have something in your life you need to repent of, just repent. Say, God, it's your will for me to walk in victory. I want to get this out of my life. You ready? And then get it out of your life. I don't care if it's a relationship. If it's something you have to go home and deal with, go home and clean house. Whatever it takes for you to have victory, it's God's will for you to have victory. And the second thing I want you to think about tonight is, God, help me to have a biblical view of sin. Help me to understand that tolerating sin will never bless anything. And whenever Joshua, wherever it might be, has to stand up and confront things, I always, God, want to be on the side of right. I don't want to be presumptuous and prayerless, Lord. If there's anything that I'm tolerating in my friend group right now that you're not pleased with, God, don't let me let them go to hell easy. You help me to be a good friend. And if I need to model a cutoff relationship to speak to that person and say, I can't go there with you anymore. I can't watch that with you anymore. I can't listen to those things anymore. I can't participate in those things anymore. Whatever it takes, God, I refuse to let your name be defamed and this group be robbed of victory. See, that's how strong it is. And God is saying, that's, you, you ready? And, and here's the beautiful thing. God gives them a second shot at AI and they have victory. I wish we had time to deal with it tonight. And God even uses that, 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 that thing that they learn from. Because AI pursues them, and, and, and you ready now? The second ta- time they go up, Brother Root, they go up, and, and Joshua says, they're gonna, God says, they're going to pursue you like they did before. You flee, set ambushments, and God uses even the failure that they had as a way to give them victory later. Why? Because they learned from it. So we're going to learn some stuff. Whenever preacher, whenever the man of God, whenever, Lord, you need to stick your finger in my face and you need to guide us as a group, I'm never going to resist it because I understand that you have a victory for us to participate in that is stronger than all of sin. We want that victory, Lord. Come on, that's it. Commit it to you in your own heart. I will have it, Lord, because I will obey. And I'll give you the time to get any victory you want in my life. I refuse to tolerate anything that you want gone, Lord. Do whatever it takes because we need victory. We're going to have it.